0: Welcome to the Digital Week Podcast. I'm Monica Bradley, and I'm here with a very fashionable Michael Rose.
1: Thank you, Monica. Lovely seeing you again, and you look fashionable too. Can I shop your look? Probably. I mean, what you can do, of course, is there are solutions where you can submit the picture and they might tell you where I bought the shirt. But more interesting is to spot the latest trend. Mm -hmm. And guess what I've read recently in the newspaper that Google is not... You
0: still read newspapers, well. See, I find that a bit, (laughs) I find that very funny.
1: Uh, I'll wear a coffee and I'll borrow them from my colleagues. Okay. But, but the, the story that I've got here is that, that Google is now in bed with companies like Calvin Klein.
0: Mm-hmm. And in you know about, bed with well, Calvin Klein? Okay. So we,
1: we talked talk about, about the Apple Watch in fashion and how big IT vendors now increasingly start to recruit individuals from the fashion industry. And what Google tries to do is to spot the fashion trends in the making. So you don't just copy what others are wearing, you step ahead.
0: And they're doing all this from the search data we put into a Google search engine.
1: Indeed. So so you might be familiar, they've done this with health issues, where you spot diseases and how they're spread in a country based on search. So
0: do they sell that data, Michael, or are they using it internally to drive customers?
1: I think at the moment it's more business-to-business engagement, where large, especially fast fashion providers need to sense what's going on, what's the latest fashion trend. And Google will try to make sense out of the search data that they collect. And now just imagine what else, diseases, fashion, what else would mm. someone like Google be able to spot? Yeah, that's fascinating. You know, g- speaking on the fashion
0: area, I was last year we had a, a fantastic conference here called C3 and we had uh, Jonathan Chippendale out from London and Jonathan works with luxury brands in the digitization space. So one of the things, the stories I remember was that he works with a, a jewellery designer on the Chantal in Paris that has hologrammed the jewellery onto the footpath. So I walk past the front door and I can put my hand up and I can scroll through their beautiful jewellery range and put the hologram, the ring onto my finger, we can make the purchase without even going in the store. Well,
1: you might not be able to afford it, but you can get a look for free for a few minutes, I guess. Well, he
0: said the largest purchase they've made was a 50,000 euro ring and the person never entered the store.
1: That is incredible. Yeah. That's a great story.
0: The other one is UniGlo in New York, or the UniGlo brand, which is global, but their New York stores are now fitted out with digital sensors. So you try on the clothes uh, and then there's a panel comes up in the change room that has all the colours offered for those particular items. So I can look at myself and think, well, do I, maybe the red would be better. And at the flick of a button, I can see myself in the red. But you know what I really need to know is how does that fit with what's already in my
1: closet? Absolutely. And I've seen this in Seoul, also in New York, where you bring your own catalogue of data at home and you can see if the jumper you wear right now fits with the jeans you've got at home. At the moment, I think it only works for that shop. You can't really bring your virtual wardrobe. But this is where we could go in the future.
0: Oh, so uh, the store records everything I buy from them or from that brand or that label. So if I complete exclusively Calvin Klein, um, then I could see all my Calvin Klein purchases. But I couldn't see my things I get from Zara or another brand.
1: Correct. And so what we see is a lot of companies, they're losing their lock-in effects. Customers don't subscribe to annual contracts anymore. They're not locked in in Australia. They shop globally. So they have to look in for new lock-in mechanisms. And one is, of course, if you can bring your own data, I can marry your physical experience with a virtual experience. So these are new business models that try to protect revenue streams.
0: So how far away are we from the reality of bring my own data to a scenario like fashion?
1: I I assume that at the moment we are lacking the ability to uh, store private data. We don't have a private data bucket. So at the moment we collect data for a retailer or a bank or um, fashion show. At the moment, there's no mechanism in place that consolidates across all those providers our private data. But this is, of course, an amazing job opportunity for entrepreneurs and for for large IT vendors to explore the world of designing private data buckets.
0: Mm-hmm. This week, I uh, speaking of private data, I worked with uh, an innovation session with a group of diverse health providers. And you know we had people that represented health diseases like heart and diabetes and people that are in the GP network. And at the end of our session, what we saw was some um, extraordinary collaboration where they were looking at how can we join that data up so that I'm not over-servicing you. Like a, a person actually has heart disease, diabetes, and sees their GP. We're kind of competing for digital screen time as disease representatives, if you like to say. That sounds
1: exciting. What was the sense? Was there a sense of collaboration or competition?
0: Oh, definitely a sense of collaboration because the scarce resources that most health organisations face, they're looking for new ways of how to engage. And the reality is no longer can someone just represent maybe heart because that person walks around with with a number of health ailments that need to be fixed. What they were very interested in was the idea of taking... Um, health data and getting some visualization techniques through using open data sets and then visualization. So we could understand really as people navigate, where are the clusters of people that have, you know, complex but uh, similar diseases that can be treated in a joined
1: up way. And do you see in the future the role of the, the citizen, the individual patient being active here to consolidate the data or will organizations do this on behalf of the patient?
0: Yeah, at this stage, I think the for me it would be a complex thing for humans to do. So I think it's really into the the business of health, but definitely the idea of health sharing data uh, across it and not at an individual level, maybe it's just at a district level so they could see the visualisation. I a mean, bit like Google tells us, you know, where, where are we expecting the future, where is there a disease breaking out because people are Googling a solution for it.
1: It's very interesting because what you describe in the health sector is what I observed earlier this week in the utility sector. So like health, utility data is spread across different providers. So at the moment, you still get a separate electricity or water or telco bill. Mm -hmm. Now imagine all these utility services, convenience products, if they could be bundled. Um, So like health, we could imagine a world where someone as a broker, as a consolidator, as an orchestrator, starts to, to bring the data together, the big private data, and then maybe there are some correlations like your health data, where one type of data predicts the other. It's the same in the utility sector.
0: Mm. We could actually, if you took that one step further, that could be like, you know, providemylifestyle.com, really.
1: Uh, you're right, you're right. I think at the moment data is really, really locked away in very small niche providers. Uh, if we consolidate them, finance, utility, health, entertainment, fashion, that would be one. The ultimate step you're totally um, um, on the money here would be to convert all your, your life data. Mm. It would be really my, my life systems that we would see in the making.
0: If I go back to the idea of bringing my own data to the fashion world, for instance, I always thought there could be an app that would be um, that something like, you know, sharemycloset.com you know, where I've got, you know, not so much at my age now, but when I was younger, you know, I used to swap a lot of clothes in and out with girlfriends and you never really knew where that sweater or that jumper was. It would be really good if, you know, you could look at what is in your closet and then bring items to it or remove them. Perhaps we could have then a virtual donation item where I can then be sending that item that I'm replacing in my closet to St. Vincent de Paul digitally. And it could be in their digital store and sold there. And I deliver it just straight from my wardrobe to that beautiful person that buys it.
1: Well, you you're, you women, I you're so funny because if they renew your water all the time, us men would wear jeans for 20 years. Uh, but, but we men have a completely different problem. We don't have this kind of fashion literacy. Many of us have no clue what fits together. So, so Monica, what would you imagine? What, what could single men and think about what our um, giggy students, our students who are out there who want to date someone... What sort of advice would they get in the virtual, in the digital world in the future?
0: Well, it would have to be called fashionista.com, wouldn't it? You, you would take a photograph of you, you would put it out and crowdsource it and you ask people to vote, say, hi, I'm Billy, I'm going on a date with a 16-year-old girl to the movies. Does this outfit look okay?
1: Well, it's a fascinating idea because we talked about financial advice, health advice. You talk about fashion advice as a service. That is a fascinating idea. And it also shows, again, that in the digital economy, not everything means we will automate and destroy jobs. Uh, we just talked about the idea of private data bucket providers, fashion advice as a service. So a sort a of excitement in the room and things that are possible in the near future.
0: Yeah, so maybe a new role is I can sit in between my uni breaks and I can judge fashion and give people advice on fashion for small micro incomes.
1: So to talk so it brings us back to the topic of micro revenue, and the idea is how can I utilise my assets? And one asset could be my talent in providing fashion advice. It's mm-hmm. a bit like what we've seen in the design world, mm-hmm. where people provide logos and and contribute their creative talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but tell tell me, Monica, how many times do you still go physically shopping? Yeah, the physical versus
0: digital—that's an interesting debate that we've seen in the public media again this week. You know, where people are saying, really, the pure plays—are they really going to exist just pure online? Because you know, as a woman, maybe it's a woman thing, but I actually quite like to go and touch fabrics, um, get inspired by looks in a physical sense. I like the idea of shopping as kind of an activity that it has some level of enjoyment for me. How about you, Michael?
1: Uh, I agree. I, I still need the kind of sense of making on-the-spot decisions and the sense, because it's a physical product, that what you ultimately see is something you have to touch. Um, so what we need to explore as, as a retailer, as a city, What sort of infrastructure, what sort of digital support can help us to to literally compete with the world of online shopping? So on the one side, we've got advanced online shopping, and then the question is, are there digital technologies that allow um, those in the physical world to attract consumers into this city?
0: So do you see some of the pure play digitals teaming up Uh, with physical distribution networks like current retailers or perhaps non-traditional retailers in a fashion sense like post offices or service stations? Like would we see some interesting combinations there where someone has a physical location having a pop-up version of a store for an online brand? Absolutely,
1: absolutely. So latest research from the US tells us that, that physical assets could become a competitive advantage in the digital world mm. so initially we thought everything goes online and this becomes a big disruptor but a pure online game is predicted to not be a secret to success and this is why organizations like like Macy um, are, are seen to be better prepared for the future than pure online players mm-hmm. such as amazon and we'll see an increased appetite of pure online players to collaborate uh, with those who can provide physical assets or infrastructure um, as a service.
0: Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. You know, the other thing I did this week was attend the Intelligent Cities Conference because uh, we live in, we're very fortunate to live in a great city like Brisbane, which is a new world city. We're, we're actively thinking about digital and attracting talent and preserving our lifestyle and, and being that, you know, those, those balances mm. that we see in the new world cities. So, I mean, I'm interested, some of the great things that came out of that was what actually makes up a smart digital intelligent city.
1: Well, this is an exciting topic, and around the world we see pilots around smart waste management, smart traffic management, smart lightning, and something we might talk about next week because it's such a fascinating topic. Um, Under the umbrella of the the PwC in digital economy, the interest is maybe less around the physical infrastructure, but the new affordances. A city that provides infrastructure, technologies, all the kind of um, digital equipment that is needed, What sort of data can be produced? What sort of apps would citizens produce in the future for Brisbane?
0: Mm. So apps that would make our city, we're already livable because we live, we have a great physical environment, we can run, we're safe, it's affordable, um, it has great restaurants, great artwork. I guess what you're saying is what do we have to digitally support that with?
1: Correct. So what you want is that entrepreneurs are attracted to, to the city, to Brisbane, because it provides such a great digital infrastructure full of Digital literate citizens with data and apps, and that's a that's a test bed for, for your new digital innovation. So you want to have some attractor in the city uh, that that allows individuals to come and play with the latest idea.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's a topic all on itself. Let's let's continue that topic next week when you can come back and listen to us again. And where I'm Monica Bradley, and this and is my colleague.
1: Michael Roseman, we very much look forward to talking to you next week. Lovely seeing you again. Enjoy your weekend. Mm -hmm.
0: Until then, may the force be with you.